today we're talking about what makes an agency website truly great. And I'm super excited to have Matt Kelly on the show today. Um, Matt is actually a content strategist and UX design consultant. He's been with everyone from change.org to the Innocence Project to Blue State Digital and happens to be, you know, living locally and uh, we've just created a great strategic partnership. So Matt, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, so, you know, having worked with different uh, organizations, whether they were creative agencies or nonprofits, um, what would you say are the most common mistakes that different types of agencies make when it comes to their own web presences? Um, I would say the things that I see most often are overthinking, that agencies too often have tons of animation and quirks and uh, and design elements to really try to show their personality and it gets in the way of showing the work, uh, contacting them, actually actually driving leads that um, I think they fall trap they, they fall prey to that famous trap of like too too uh, inward looking and not user focused enough. I think that's probably um, that's probably the biggest one. And then the second is one that I'm even guilty of in my own practice, which is the cobbler's children. You know, the famous line that you hear about agencies that the, the cobbler's children have no shoes, that agencies ignore, they focus on their clients and they ignore their own, uh, their own public face in, uh, in the digital world. So, um, like I said, I'm guilty of that. I just have a really simple site for my own consultancy. And uh, I've seen lots of agencies say, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. We push it back. And so they don't follow the product road mapping and sort of iterative nature that any good digital product should have. They launch it once and then forget about it. And that makes it harder for a client to trust that their philosophy is, is actually more, uh, more iterative and, uh, and alive with digital products. Right, right. And that sort of segues into you know, this other uh, question that I had about how important are those things and then how important is the story of an agency? Um, I have a, a client, an agency client in the city that, you know, they're redoing all of their case studies and I'm helping them with some business development. So I just, you know, mentioned, hey, when you go to relaunch those, those new case studies, make sure that, you know, and I, I didn't think I needed to say this, but make sure that you just redirect those in case you're changing the URLs. Mm-hmm. And they literally said to me, we would definitely make sure that we would do that if it was a client, but thanks for reminding us because we probably would have just... Right just change the URLs and like not redirected anything. So, um, you know, that's more on the technical side, but back to, uh, you know, the agency themselves, like how important are those things and their own story, their own history, um, all of that in terms of narrative when it comes to their sites, how the prospects view those sites and just business development in general. I think you do want to show personality. I don't want to. I don't want to come down so hard on that anti, you know, overthinking point that yeah. that I recommend a plain vanilla site. So I think you do want to show what makes you different and find the right way to do that. But it might not always be the about us page or the our story. Um, I think your story, your your like origin story, is only really interesting if it's interesting. Right. If it's three people who worked at an agency before and decided to start a new agency, we've heard that story before. So tell us, tell us more about your philosophy or your mission or your drive or the work that makes you unique. 
So I think having that hard conversation up front of what really uh, helps to make us different, why are we here, why should someone work with us, and making sure that shines through, not just on the about us or team or history page, if you have one, but everywhere. So in those case studies or maybe on the landing page, I'm a fan of a homepage that has a sort of one sentence manifesto of we do X, um, just dead simple, but really powerful of we do X differently because, or we are here because, um, but make it really simple because nobody wants to read your five paragraphs of, uh, of how you all met over, uh, you know, over cocktails one night in, in uh, San Diego or something. So, um, I think, I think the history makes sense if the agency has a really interesting history of connecting with all sorts of different points in, you know, in, in either marketing, uh, like marketing lore or, or politics or, um, or brands, but, Otherwise, you can that that can fall that can go too far into the uh, into telling when I would rather see you show. So I think case studies that you mentioned are so much more important usually than than the story of the agency. It's it's who who did you work with? How did you transform their uh, their business? You know, through creative or uh, or technical execution. So I think a really interesting and captivating story of an engagement with a client is usually better than a, uh, a, than a story of your history and how you got there. I think like tell, tell real stories about real world engagements rather than about uh, you as a group of people. Yeah, for sure. And, and I couldn't agree more with that from a specifically from a business development standpoint, because, you know, the more that you have to have that prospect connect the dots for you um, or for them, I should say, you know, really like taking all of that away and saying, this is how we helped this organization. They're just like you. This was the challenge. This was the solution. These were the results. It's like, as long as you can clearly paint that picture of this is who we are and this was our approach in, in this engagement and we can do the same for you, it's a, it's a much shorter distance between connecting mm -hmm. those dots. So I'm a huge fan of that as well. Yeah, I think if you're making a decision between... Um offerings and approach. If you wanted to tell both of those stories or choose which one to put more weight on, lean on offerings. Make it really clear. What's our value prop? Why should you hire us? What do we do? Even if that ends up being a really simple list of we do video production, websites, and SEO, that's so clear for the, for the potential client to understand, oh, they do those things, as, as opposed to, I think we've all seen too many of those approach pages that are multi-step. Like first, we develop the strategy, and then we uh, and then we make sure that we talk with users and stakeholders. It's important that you have a good approach, but I think it's a second. It's something for the second conversation and not the first. And in many cases, the site is for the first. Right, right. Um, and is there sort of like a I don't know a best practice checklist or or a group of best practices that you would say? Well, you know, all sites should follow these three to five things, but specifically agencies need to also keep this in mind. Do you have something like that? Um, yeah. So I think one, one guiding principle that I recommend for all sites is uh, uh, maybe, maybe two, they're related is that your site is a product. It's not a brochure. It's not a publication. It's a product or it could be a publication, but that publication is a product. So think of it as a product that you're, that, that you're developing and that you own rather than that you launched and is now done. It's never done. Uh, and um, you need to, it needs to always be iterative. You need to have a product roadmap, even if that product roadmap, because 
you have other clients that take a bigger priority, uh, even if that product roadmap is pretty loose and long, if it's a you know quarterly or twice annual, you check in or you have just a running Google Doc of features and content that you'd like to add, as long as you've got that written down and it's prioritized, um, that way you uh, you ensure that it, it never gets too stale and that you have a place to capture those those new ideas. And then I think we've touched on, so I think thinking of it as a product is really important. And then we've touched on some of the others that are in that checklist already that you should show, don't tell. Uh, you should um, be user-centric. So, uh, so look at everything from the lens of who are my target audiences and make sure you get those target audiences uh, written down somewhere from the start. They seem like they're obvious, but having a conversation with your internal team um, about them is really important. Um, for example, Potential clients are an obvious one and probably number one for most agencies. But where does current client, where do cl- current clients fall? Uh, where do potential hires fall? Are you looking to grow and staff up? Um, if so, you might put a bigger priority on them as your uh, as your users of your site. And so, making sure that everything is audience focused and looking at it through those lens, even maybe doing some. Um, some really DIY uh, user testing to to truly see it through the eyes of those users is a good piece for your checklist and fits with that product roadmap. And I mentioned make those offerings clear. So make it clear what you do. If you say we are a creative agency, not everyone knows what that is. If you say we're a digital marketing agency, still there's a lot of pieces under digital marketing. Um, so go that next level of specificity. So some so a, a user can tell. What exactly are the services that this place offers? Do they offer the thing that I need? If I don't know what I need, will they help me figure out what I need? Um, have some some obvious checklist items that would be on anyone's website checklist would be uh, uh, make it work beautifully for all screens. So test it on, uh, on mobile and desktop and everything in between. Um, and uh, I, I'm a fan of a simple, simple, clear navigation on every screen as well. I think a lot of agencies have, agencies were sort of early adopters, I think, of this trend we saw in the last couple of years of the hamburger navigation moving from mobile over to desktop, that a lot of, uh, a lot of desktop sites have that hamburger nav. And I don't love it for anyone. I think it, it adds a click to get to where I want to go. A lot of your users for an agency site want something very simple and specific, like a contact or a bio or a case study. And why add that extra click on a desktop for simplicity's sake? I think if you can have a really simple nav that you expose, and I've seen this backed up with some user tests, I think you do it. You you expose that nav. And so I hope that trend starts to go away. Yeah. Uh, but those are all really, those are kind of simple, basic things that any site should do. But I think if you come back to show, don't tell and put your audience first, you're at a good spot for an agency site. Yeah, it's so funny that you brought that up. I wasn't even thinking about that, but um, I feel exactly the same way. Um, when I started seeing that and clients started asking that when I had my former agency, it was like, yes, I understand from a, a, a clean design perspective how that could be an attractive approach. Um, yeah, for me, it's all going to come down to, are, are you serving the needs of the user? And that's getting them the content that they're looking for in the fewest amount of clicks. I mean, that's what a, in general, what a, a great user experience is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's engagement and, and compelling and emotion and all of that. But from a, a, a logistical standpoint, get them there quicker. Um, and also, it, it can also um, sort of answer some questions. If you have that exposed navigation, 
you know, maybe there's something in there that talks to your services or maybe mm-hmm. it talks to, exactly. you know, whatever. And you're already answering questions for them as soon as they hit the homepage. So uh, that's a great point. I didn't even, hadn't even thought of that. Um, do you have a personal favorite when it comes to uh, a, a website that you absolutely love for whatever reason? And then same question for uh, a specific creative agency site. Um, so, yeah, I grabbed a couple of my favorite agency sites. Um, one is House, H-A-U-S, uh, an agency in L.A., I think has a really gorgeous site. One thing that I didn't mention yet that should be on your on your checklist is performance. Um, make it lightning fast. Make it really easy to use across all devices. So that's another thing that sometimes that personality stuff can get in the way. If you have ambient video on every page I load, you might start seeing uh, slower load times, and that I, I worry that it can it can negate the personality building that you're doing by suggesting to your client, oh, these guys don't build a uh, a, a high performing product, and per- speed speed of of uh, load time is so important for everybody's site. So uh, their their site I think is made in house h a u s dot com. Um, just really, really beautiful looking, but also crystal clear and simple. Um, easy to get to work uh, to to work samples and and team bios and the contact, while also really feeling immersed in beautiful looking uh, um, deliverables and and client engagement. So I feel like I get from just a couple of seconds. I get a sense of what they do, uh, that they work on big, cutting-edge, beautiful products, and uh, and with and with polished, um, sophisticated clients, and I'm able to just get in touch with them. So it sort of checks all those boxes off. Um, another one, one with a good uh, manifesto. Uh, actually, both of these next two have good manifestos. Is KBS, which is a Canadian digital agency, and Enso, which is also out in uh, the in Southern California, ENSO. Um, they have they have a sort of a s- simple manifesto when you land on their site, and then nice, beautiful, immersive experiences that are very polished and sophisticated without being over uh, without being overdone. And then I guess it's hard to answer the general one, um, one that I find myself coming back to for micro interactions and visual design approach and handling some complex. Some complex content in a in a smart way is uh, Good Magazine, that I I reference their site often. Um, I think a lot of I, I work mostly with nonprofit clients, and many many of them can learn a lot from great publications from the New York Times and others who are thinking about digital in um, in uh, in future facing ways and and uh, iterating constantly. The Times is an example of ha- having hundreds of developers on staff, being able to have product roadmaps and testing things and making sure that things are working really beautifully for users. Good Magazine is less; they have fewer developers than the New York Times, and uh, really nice interactions across the site. Nice presentation of content, and since they have a few different sort of types of publications and uh, and pieces of the organization you you interact with them and uh, you move between them in a really in a really uh, uh, frictionless way that I like a lot cool I'll actually post um, the links to all four of those um, funny enough Enzo I know them uh, because we were my former agency and Enzo were part of the founding members of the Carol Cohen on purpose the purpose collaborative okay, great yeah great. so I know their work really well yeah, I did some work with them years ago as well. That's how they got onto my radar. Cool. 
Um, so as we're wrapping up, what would be the, the one piece of advice that you would leave for creative agency leaders to bring back to their design teams and start, you know, implementing something or checking something off, you know, tomorrow? I would say that agency leaders should should lead on the user-centered piece. They should they should be asking the question of, have we asked clients what they think about this site? Have we asked potential clients what they think about this site? And if you're redesigning a site, um, invite someone unexpected to those redesign meetings. It might be a user, it might be a a partner or a colleague who uh, who works on a different floor or down the street, um, or a friend who can give you outside input, but I think that can be a really strong role for a, a, a CEO or a founder or VP to play to say, um, let's get out of our own heads with this process and put it in front of users. And then the next, it, that's, that's sort of a simple step in a redesign process, but then the build on that is to, is to integrate that into your process uh, in an ongoing way so that launch day of your site isn't the site's best day right. and you... Um, you're regularly checking it. So maybe that user panel that you involve in the original redesign uh, takes a look at things after six months and gives you, uh, gives you a round of feedback. And people are often willing to do that, you know, in exchange for a, uh, for a lunch or a, or a gift card or something. So um, it's a cheap way to get another set of eyes on your site and to get good feedback. And I think if the, if the team that's often the leadership is doing the opposite and saying, I'm sure that we need to, that, that the site needs to say X, I think the leadership can instead say, are we, are we serving our users? Are we practicing what we preach and being user-centric? Right, or how might we, you know, just phrase a different way, how might we present this in a way that resonates with all of these different audiences? And mm -hmm. um, how might we think about, you know, how we describe ourselves or our services, you know, for, for further clarity um, with those audiences? So, yeah, that's great. I love it. Thanks so much, Matt. I really, really appreciate your time and uh, really great content and, you know, really enjoyed having you on the show today. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much.